Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melissa C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 23rd. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 80, the second paragraph, This Brings to Mind a Story. And we'll be reading through two paragraphs today, ending with how could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? Comments will be on both paragraphs. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Sam F., 12 Traditions, Esther F., Readers of the Text, Rick J., Marge O., Carmela G., and the reference numbers for uh, Sunday, August 22nd, our special edition, was 17609. That's 17609. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Sam S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Melissa. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sam S., for your service. Okay, now I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Esther. Good morning, Melissa. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther F. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And if you go over, you'll, you'll hear my little chimes and I'll, and I'll remind you. Um, Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 80, the second paragraph. This brings to mind a story, and we'll be reading through two paragraphs, ending with... How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? 
and comments will be on both paragraphs. And I will now ask Rick Jay to begin reading for us. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Melissa. Uh, this is Rick Jay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those depended upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? Uh, you know, reading this, um, it brought to mind for me uh, a story in my past that uh, a little bit of unfinished business, I think, for me. And uh, I'm kind of coming to terms with it as I read this. And the the thing that really stood out for me was, um, you know, using my own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. And when I was a teenager, um, you know, live, still living at home, an acquaintance of mine had asked uh, um, to borrow a, uh, a shotgun. And this shotgun was my father's prized possession. His brother had given it to him. And um, and this guy showed up with, with some friend of his, and um, he just asked to borrow it. And instead of saying, no, I there's no way I could do that, I said, sure, just come back tomorrow and and uh, I'll I'll put it out in the woods behind the house and um, you can find it and well I never did that and and I just sort of got a kick out of he and his friend going out there and trying to find it and they'd come back you know all sweaty and trying to find it and asking where it was and I'd give them directions again and this went on and on and um, finally um, you know, they gave up and left, and about a week later, we realized that someone had broken into our house and stolen the shotgun, and I knew exactly who it was, so we called the police. He was arrested, and, uh, you know, and I never said anything about my part in that. I never acknowledged my own wrongdoing, and, you know, I mean, it's not the same situation, but you know, I had a huge part to play in that, and he ended up getting arrested and, and in major trouble. And, uh, you know, and I'm I'm thinking about this, you know, especially as I've gone through some uh, of my, my fourth column uh, inventory work, and, and there's some unfinished business here for me. You know, I mean, it's not going to involve a, a public statement exonerating a rival, but it's going to be making a situation right. It's going to be having closure on a wrong that, you know, it's hard to know for me how to, to make this right, except for to go up. And if I can find this person, acknowledge that. And also I'm just so grateful that, uh, you know, we look at our past and we, we involve other people to help us solve that past, to go back and to make it right, to, to correct these wrongs these mistakes that we've made in the past because that's what's blocking me from my higher power. These things lurk inside of my soul 
and they keep me disconnected. With that, I pass. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Rick J. All right, for getting us started. Um, all right, before I open up the lines for sharing, I want to remind us all that although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So today's Monday. That means if you shared on Thursday or Friday last week, we ask you to refrain in order that others might share their experience too. Who would like to share? Barbara E. Barbara E. Anyone else that has something to say? Christoph L. Christoph L. Pam R. Pam R. Yes. Anyone else? Well, everyone's quiet this Monday morning. It's a really good time, you know, if you've been shy, here's your chance. Sometimes I hear people say, I can't get in there. You can absolutely get in there this morning. Um, I've got, okay, so, um, all right, so for this round, it's Barbara E., Christoph L., and Pam R., all right, Barbara E., good morning. You can get us started. Good morning. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, yep. Oh, good. I haven't been double muted. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for your service and this beautiful meeting. Page 80 always confounded me because just jumping back a bit from yesterday, from Fridays before taking drastic action, I was always taking drastic action. I'm a type A personality, competitive, time urgent, sometimes hostile and aggressive. I wish to be a type P per type B person, relaxed, patient and easygoing. But it wasn't in my nature. And to read that this man had done this heinous thing to his business partner and also to his wife and then wanted to go, felt the need to go before the whole congregation and share what he had done and possibly lose his medical license for sure and possibly go to jail. And his wife too would suffer because the only means she could have of reparation was if the man was not in jail. So for me, I've done things like that, not ruin someone's reputation, not um, cause someone to lose their financial security, but I did do things that required drastic action and I was scared. To the bottom of my roots, I was scared. 
So I prayed about it and prayed and listened for that little bit of intuition that told me what was right to do. But that wasn't enough for me. I called up trust, several trusted servants and asked their opinion. And they said, Barbara, don't do anything. You'll only create more wreckage. Just let it go, leave it be, and things will work out better. And for me, it did, because I did not ruin anyone else's life. I didn't. I did speak to my husband and said I was willing to make that remuneration, that restitution. And I did make that restitution because it felt right to me. And when I went to the administrator, he suggested that not giving back $500 of money, which is what I thought I might have stolen through goods that I'd taken through the years, plus taxes involved. He said, why don't you make a yearly contribution to the scholarship fund for graduating seniors. You'll be making restitution, Barbara, and you'll be doing that helps another. And I thought, brilliant, brilliant, I love it. And the same thing was true with the supermarket. They said, how about the school bank? Not the school bank, sorry. How about the food bank? That's making restitution. That's making sure that people will be helped by what you've done. And that's what I had to do. Thank you. But I had to consult others. That was simply important. Thank you, Melissa, for your service. Thank you again for all your beautiful shares. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks so much. Okay, um, next up is Christoph L., and Christoph will be followed by Pam R. Good morning, Christoph. Hi, my name is Christoph L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. And the thing that comes to mind for me this morning is how today with working this program, I have the means to prevent putting myself or others into a situation that is described here. I am just now going through a divorce, unfortunately. My wife did leave me <clears throat> because she's taking her life elsewhere. That's, uh, that's where we're at. And I'm realizing that if I wasn't working this program, I would have bad-mouthed her all over and I would have uh, maybe ruined her reputation and talk bad things about her to at least our friends and I would have found fault um, rightfully so or not with her and brought that up to others and I'm struggling with that too with the fault finding today this is still something that I'm I'm struggling with because I'm on the one side I'm working the program so I'm saying what can I do how can I be of service to others? How can I how can I make things right so that everything's correct? And on the other hand, I need to be looking out for myself. But only to the extent I learn in the program that I can be of help to others, that I can be sane, I can be honest, and I can be of service to the world and to others. 
And so today I can just really take a breath, try to do the right thing, and I can not put me or her in a situation where there's animosity, there's bad blood, there is publicly, especially, um, a poor image of, of anyone. And that's just a great gift. And not even you know, talking about myself and the disease that it would, would shove me back into if I were to indulge in self-pity, guilt, and shame about certain things that then happened and led up to this. And I can just, you know, the, the worst of times, I can be abstinent. I can live my life. I can move forward. I can, I can face life. I can just do the next right thing and keep, keep right on moving through life with all these tools and all these, these fellows I have around me. So for that, I'm very grateful today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christoph L. Okay, next up is Pam R. And after Pam, I'll open it back up again for more shares. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. This is Pam R. from Austin, Texas. And it's so good to be with everybody here this morning. Um, yes, and I am a compulsive overeater, gratefully recovered. And the more that I clean up the things in my past, the the more things seem to surface. And that's why whenever we're going over this part of the book, the things that other people say tend to um, uh, rummage around inside of my memory and things surface where, I, you know, when I did my inventory, that never occurred to me. So for me, this seems to be an ongoing process of what my higher power will bring to mind. And I really enjoyed one of the things that one of our fellows shared was that um, that what happens is people are helped as a result of what we've done. And so I just have to be open and willing to hear the things that my higher has higher power has for me. And every time I clean up wreckage from the past, I clear out yet another blockage that's between um, between me and my God. And so what happened was people were talking last week and suddenly I realized, oh, I remember a time when I was, man- I was fresh out of college and I was managing um, a branch and I had an entire staff and I was having difficulty motivating them because the company was very stingy on incentives. And so what I did was internally in the budget, I moved monies around. And I thought that that was, well, that was a good thing and I accomplished and it all stayed within the business. But what I did was I misappropriated funds in order to accomplish something that I felt like was important. And the reason that I did it just internally in my branch was because I knew that that wasn't something that I was supposed to be doing. And so now I I, uh, went to my husband because he would definitely be impacted. This is a very large company. It's the city newspaper. And he said, oh, no, but hell no, you're not doing that. And 
because he would be impacted. And so now it's a matter of what can I do to make it right about the funds that I have rearranged and how can other people be helped by what it is that I had done wrong. And I'm not really sure what that is, but what I am is I'm, I've found that I kind of get a little bit of excitement when God brings to mind something that needs to be cleared up because then I know that there's one more thing that has been removed between me and my higher power and there's something good that I can do that can come out of a mess that I've made. And so um, thank you for letting me share and that's what I have and with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Pam R. Okay, so if you're just coming on now, we're on page 80. We read the second paragraph. This brings to mind a story. We read through two paragraphs this morning, ending with how could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? And comments will be on both paragraphs. So if you didn't share last week on Thursday or Friday, and you would like an opportunity to share, please um, offer up your name. This is Larry Kay. Um, hello, can you hear me? Larry Kay, and someone who said, hello, can you hear me? <laughs> who is that? Yeah, this is Lisa. This is Lisa from Germany. I, I would like to get on the list for share. Okay, is it Lita? Lisa, L-I-S-E. Oh, Gotcha, Lisa. What's your net last initial, Lisa? G. Lisa G. G like great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. From Germany. Victoria W. Victoria W. Teresa P. I was that Teresa P. Yes. Teresa. Good morning. P. Liz T. Liz T. Good morning, Liz. tell you who I got this morning so far. Maybe I missed someone there. I got Larry K, Lisa G, Victoria, <clears throat> Teresa P, and Liz T. Anyone else? Oh my goodness, we're so quiet this morning. <laughs> All right, Larry K, you are up. Good okay, morning. Melissa. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, as I'm reading this paragraph, it, 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 it strikes me, you know, we, I think human beings ache to tell our stories, to, you know, to relieve the stress of secrecy. We, we want to come out of the, uh, the cave, out of the darkness, right? And we want to have someone listen. And, and, I, and I think there's something inherent in human beings where we want to remove every layer of shame to reveal the true, you know, this, this buried self underneath. And yet somehow, you know, if my experience is yours, I don't know, but in my humanness, there's a part of me that just is afraid sometimes of revealing my true self, right? And this program has taught me and continues to teach me each day that there's something freeing about that. There's something deeply spiritual and sacred and divine about telling my story to another human being. Not, not, not sensationalizing it. That's more ego. 
but just telling it, getting it out there. This is, this is who I am, right? These are the things that I've done. I'm trying to amend. I'm trying to change as a man, right, with God's help. And so I think for me what comes to mind too, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but is, yes, I have experienced some of that. But there's a part sometimes where we can be vague, we can omit things, right? Or we can have sort of, I'll use this term, not in a theological sense, but sort of a partial confession. Not a full disclosure, but just a partial confession. And actually for me, a partial confession is, is actually worse perhaps than no confession at all. In the sense that it's, it's, it's still, the shame is still there. I haven't, it's like, please excuse the analogy. It's like half vomiting when you're sick. You get no relief, right? It's only when I, when it's the complete deal that I get some relief. And in, and in a spiritual sense that I then have the opportunity to come into some more beautiful alignment with my higher power just for today, just today. And sometimes I just want the partial confession or, you know, or just uh, unburden myself with some things. But, you know, the truth is, is that it's a daily process of a full confession. And, and, and to have the courage to take the risk, because that was the big boogeyman. There wasn't really a risk. But in my mind, it was a risk that you'll reject me. You won't accept me. I won't get what I want. It's all ego and self-control. I'm not running it anymore, right? So, anyways, I hope that helps. It's helping me to, <laughs> to admit that. With that, I pass. Thanks, Melissa. Great. Thank you so much, Larry Kay. All right, next up is Lisa G., and then Lisa will be followed by Victoria W. Good morning, Lisa. Lisa, press star one to unmute. Hello, good morning. Uh, this is Lisa. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater from Germany. I hope you can hear me well. Yep, we got you. Oh, perfect. Okay. So I really love the last couple of paragraphs. And there are three messages that are very relevant for me. Number one, um, we ask God for help. We consult with another person. And we don't shrink from any drastic action if that needs to be taken. And these three messages are so relevant for me in making amends and taking action because my disease can make me incredibly self-centered in my disease and even in my recovery. Um, my default setup is basically fear and getting as quickly as possible relief from it. So I can take action that is very self-centered to get relief because I identified something that I've done in my past or my present that hurts other people. And I want the relief. And I've found it very critical to not continue to do damage, to ask God for help, and to consult with people I trust because they have a strong recovery. Um, and then take the action that's necessary. But for me, this double action sitting in quiet with my higher power and asking people for feedback is super critical. 
Because when I identify something that's painful, I want relief right away. I'm not such a procrastinator, to be honest. I want relief and take action to move on. And um, I can terribly hurt other people by sharing everything that's not helpful to them um, or, or by going to them and omitting something. So I find this big book, again, crystal clear, outlining what I need to do as somebody who has this disease. And again, for me, this set that I have across my whole being of fear and anxiety makes me sometimes do things that are not really healing or recovering and that are incredibly self-centered. Even if I'm not eating, I still have that pattern. So I'm really grateful that it describes very specifically what I need to do to make sure I'm not causing more destruction. And then be very, very clear on what this restitution might mean. It might be very uncomfortable and um, shameful, but I can't shrink taking those actions. And um, I so fully agree, and that's the last part I want to share, to this healing experience of becoming completely honest. There's nothing in my recovery this ha uh, which has made a bigger difference than becoming completely honest with another person um, and, and setting things right and walking up to people and say, I'm very sorry that I caused you pain. And basically something that, yeah, time is over. So I just want to share with the gratitude today to be in this group and listen to all the beautiful shares. Thank you all for the service. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lisa G., for your share from Germany. Okay, next up is Victoria W., and Victoria will be followed by Teresa P. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Melissa. This is Victoria W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Insulin Manipulator. Um, on the listserv, you'll find me from Texas. Um, thank you, everybody, for being here for this wonderful meeting. Um, I shared last week on the, or actually two weeks ago on the second unrecorded hour um, about how I had forgotten that I needed to make some financial amends. Um, when I lived in my old apartment building, my neighbor moved out. He had this reserved parking space. It cost about $25 a month to park there. It was a prime parking space in the garage. Um, and uh, I just started parking there when he moved because I figured, well, nobody else is going to think that this is available if they see my car there all the time. They're going to think that I have it. And it was so, <laughs> um, I'm laughing because it's just ridiculous. It's the type of justifications that I used to make with food all the time. And and thank God that it, it's not the justifications that I make with food anymore, but I still make it with these behaviors. Um, and I remember after about five months of doing that, I, I told my, my sponsor at the time, and I said, okay, I, I got to stop parking there. I'm going to stop parking there, and I need to try and pay it back. She was like, great. Um, did I do that? No, I did start parking there. Um, then it came time for me to move out of the apartment, okay? Um, I said, hey, I'm moving out. Also, please charge me for five months of parking in a reserved parking space um, because I've been, you know, I've been doing that and I really 
I really regret that. I'd like to make it right. And I got an email back that said, that is so sweet of you. We absolutely will not charge you. Very nice for you to say so. Best of luck with your move. And of course, in the midst of moving, I was thinking, oh, okay, you know, I kind of was, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't think I was off the hook, but it just, it just fell to the back of my brain. Well, lo and behold, with all this discussion on the line, I've been thinking, well, are there things I need to clean up that haven't been addressed? And it came to me, wow, Victoria, you said you were going to do that so many times. You said you were going to do that, and you never did. Um, and it wasn't eating at me, but it is interesting to me. I kept wanting to tell myself, oh, it's not. I'm, I'm such a whiner in my voice to myself when I, want, when I don't want to do something. I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> um, and and for so much of my life, that would have been the last thing that I was thinking about. But the time came. God made my heart ready. Last week, I called the apartment. I waited on hold for 30 minutes, got frustrated, hung up, and said, all right, we'll do this tomorrow. I'll call first thing in the morning. <laughs> I did. Somebody said, oh, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> and then they said, we'll have their manager call you back. They called me back. They said, we don't have a way to collect money from you, but you don't have to do that. Your heart is so big. Oh my gosh, this is the best call I've ever received. And part of me wanted to celebrate in that. And I had to say, I really appreciate your kind words, but it, it, it's not a, it, you know, I really want to make this right. I, it would have been kind for me not to do that in the first place. Um, and I, I hear the timer, so I'll just wrap up. But what we came to was, you know, instead of trying to fight tooth and nail, we did come up with a way I can make amends, but I felt compelled to share, in, not in ego, but in humility. I'm not in a wonderful person. I'm not an amazing human. I'm in a 12-step program, and this is something I feel called upon to do to make this right. Um, and the response I got was so humbling and beautiful. And I thank God for that experience. And I thank you for letting me share that today. I'll pass. Oh, thanks so much, Victoria W. Thank you for your share. Okay, next up is Teresa P., and Teresa will be followed by Liz T. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. Uh, this is Teresa P., uh, gratefully recovered in California. And uh, this is a wonderful uh, paragraph. And I do relate to it because, you know, it doesn't matter what the amends is. And it, I just get to face the amends as they get revealed. And as I was hearing this one, what came to mind was all the ways that I had demeaned my husband to our uh, to our children and to other people, and you know, blaming him, oh, he did this and he's that, or just the opposite by not speaking up things that needed to be said. And so, you know, we've got 50 years of that going on. And what I get to do today is you know, of course, run it by um, uh, this, this my sponsor because, you know, I, I just could just get, you know, overwhelmed with these things and I want to find, you know, a safe, appropriate, you know, healing way. I don't want to go out and hurt another person. And so um, one of the things I, I've already gotten to do is make uh, more amends to my husband for all the things I haven't told the truth about. And and just practice telling the truth to him and it that that's hard for me because, you know, I feel afraid he's not gonna like it, he's gonna get angry, or he's gonna do whatever. 
And what I get to do is tell the truth anyway and really look at what I'm doing and my motives and, you know, be honest and being a mature person and uh, taking um, care of myself and others because, you know, these a lot of these years, well, no, these years were also with our four children. You know, a lot of damage went along that way too, which I've been, you know, working on making amends. So what I get to do is just keep on doing that. But, you know, always, you know, as things get revealed, I do 10 steps on it, you know, I talk to my sponsor and get, you know, appropriate, you know, responses that don't hurt others. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Teresa P. Okay, next up is Liz T., and then we'll open it up for more shares. Good morning, Liz. Hi, good morning. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for doing service this morning. My name is Liz T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. And just looking at these couple of paragraphs, I've just seen, you know, the two questions he's asking himself there. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? And so I'm hearing fear in there, you know, um, doubting himself, second thoughts, the what ifs, what about this, what about that? And, you know, that's how I lived my life, my entire life is waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, and um, it just reminds me when we work this program and we're in touch with our step two, you know, we're leaning in, I really felt in in touch with my step two when I was on steps on step nine because I really had to lean in and trust my higher power that higher power I didn't know much about um you know the god of my not understanding I didn't know a lot about that god but he was somehow keeping me abstinent and that was more than I could ever do and my life was improving little by little each amends I made I was becoming closer and closer to my higher power. And so it just reminds me that we just really got to lean in on this step and we're going to have doubts and the disease is going to want to come in and talk us out of it so that it can talk us into going back and eating. Right. So we're also really in touch with step one and two and, and also three here, because if I'm more afraid of, of relapse and getting back in the food and living my life on self will, then I'm going to be willing to go to any length. Um, and so it also reminds me of, you know, he's got these memories here and this guilt of, of what he did wrong. And if we don't come clean, it's going to always be there. It's going to be there in the, the back of our minds. And on, on page 73, it talks about, um, he hopes they will never see the light of day when he's talking about, you know, past memories. He's under constant fear and tension that makes for more drinking. So once again, if we don't, face these things and if I'm not willing to go and face people that I had harmed um, my sooner or later it's going to be a step up to go back to the food and and I know I don't want that life anymore so um, also this part is he's not doing this alone you know this is in past tense so he's talking about they're talking about a story of one of our friends so he clearly had support from the fellowship the recovered members and he talked it over with his wife before he jetted out to to make this amends. And so we do this with support from uh, recovered fellows and anyone else that's concerning that 
you know, like a, a spouse or someone else that can be affected by our decision to go make the amends. And then we go out and do it and we leave the results to God and our higher power. And if I'm building that relationship, anything my higher power has in store for me is going to be better than anything I ever imagined. And each step builds on the next and, and brings about that spiritual experience, the personality change that I didn't know that I needed when I came in. But every day um, today, I, I know I need that personality change because the way I was living my life just was not working. And I was doing more, more and more wreckage. And I don't want to do that type of wreckage anymore. And also gossip. You know, we gossiped about this person and slander. And I know that is very um, destructive behavior. And I've done that in the past, too. It was the way that I would bond would bond with people. So, um yeah, just just a good reminder of, of what we need to do and um, what I don't want to be doing. All right, thank you. I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Liz T. Okay, so we have time for, oh, I think about three, three more shares, maybe four. Um, tell you where we're at, page 80, the second paragraph. This brings to mind a story. We'll be reading through two paragraphs, ending with, how could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? Comments on both paragraphs. So if you haven't shared last week on Thursday and Friday, jump on in. You've got a little time. Jean and we are. Jean and there was somebody, was it Jean? Jean S. S like Sam. Jean S. And there was someone else. Maria S. R. Mr. R. R. And Maria. Was it Maria F.? Yeah, Maria F., Melissa. Thank you. Okay, awesome. All right, so let's um, let's start with those then, unless there was someone else. Jean F., Nessa R., Maria F. Go ahead, Jean. Thank you. Um, this is Jean S. from Utah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um, a, a share today reminded me of a recent uh, situation incident where I was on vacation and I was in a gift shop and I was looking for a souvenir, typical for me to get a new pair of earrings and maybe a necklace. So I found um, what something and I was quite pleased and I'd been looking at a couple necklaces that would go and so I paid for the uh, necklace and the earrings and then left the store and got in the car with my husband we probably drove one mile and as I was settling in the car putting things away I noticed that I had the other necklace too and I went oh my gosh <laughs> we have to turn around got to go take it back and I, um, so my husband turned around, we went back to the store, and I was uncomfortable, <laughs> even though there was nothing intentional about me taking this neck, this extra necklace. Um, it was the right thing to do, right, to give it back. So I went to the counter, told the young man and another person standing there, and the message I got from them was, Oh, how sweet that you did that. This is so wonderful. And I thought, and I even said out loud, 
it's not about sweetness. It's the right thing to do. And I, I, I found that um, fascinating that the response to me was generous generosity. But in my heart of hearts, I, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And so I'm grateful that this program <laughs> reminds me um, to, to do the right thing. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jane S. And next up is Nessa R. And Nessa will be followed by Maria F. Good morning, Nessa. Hi. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I've never really had to do anything as drastic as this. I never even met anybody. Um, who had to do something like this man in the story had to do. Um, but, you know, this, this statement of except when to do so would injure them or others um, opens a big loophole um, for us to rationalize why, you know, um, I don't need to make this amends because, you know, it's going to injure um, them or others. Uh, and there's many examples, not quite as drastic as this, but like an example that comes to mind for me is gossip. Well, I cannot make amends to her because how can I go and tell her that I have gossiped about her? Um, and so, of course, um, I'm off the hook. You know, the big book says that we, we just let the matter be if we are convinced that we would write the matter if, if we could. Um, but, you know, I learned at a vision for you convention one of the presenters actually spoke about this spoke about this very matter and it's something that's been like niggling at me and she said yeah of course we cannot go to the person we gossiped about and tell them that we've done that um but um we can definitely go to the people to whom we gossip and apologize to them because um we've, we've harmed them also you know we have i guess in a way force them to listen to our, to our bile, I guess. Uh, even if they were willing participants, you know, there's no reason why we should have subjected them to, to, to our gossip. So while I cannot make direct amends to one of the injured parties, there are other injured parties that I, um, that I may be um, overlooking. Um, and so the key thing here is, is to make sure that I, I'm not rationalizing a way they need to make amends because in the end, it's going to come back to bite me. You know, I'm the one who's going to end up in the food. Um, you know, I may be off the hook for now. Uh, I may have spared my, my pride and ego, um, but it's going to show up later. You know, uh, amends that we will make are one of the things that um, – Will make me will make me go back to the food, um, and in addition to this, um, I um, and I did this. I, I tarried on making amends to to my father. Um, you know, we shouldn't tarry making amends when we can. I mean, sometimes it cannot be helped, but when we can, you know, we should not shy away from it because again, we will eat over it. I and mean, in in the case of my father, um, he passed away, and I didn't make amends to him. It was over a relationship that he had that um, 
I, I, was, I disapproved and caused a, quite a great rift between us in acrimony. And, you know, when he passed away, I actually ended up having to make amends to, to the woman involved, which was probably much worse than, or much more, not worse, but more difficult than actually making amends um, to him. Um, it was very rewarding, but it was definitely more difficult. So um, I guess that's all I have to share for today. Thanks, you and I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nessa R. Okay, our um, next share is Maria S. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Melissa, and good morning, everyone. My name is Maria S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from County Dublin in Ireland. Um, yeah, a couple of great paragraphs. Um, it says, you know, he thus used his old wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of others. Another, in fact, his rival was ruined. And, uh, yeah, I can do that today. I can do that today in my thinking, you know, in that, in the gossip and the self-righteous, holier-than-thou attitude that I can have, you know, where I can put others down in my thinking and in my head. Um, and it's always, you know, to make me feel better. It's always that I'll come out, I'll come out best from that. Um, yeah, and, and, and the thread, I think, that runs through these two paragraphs for me is the word that just keeps coming to me is pride, you know, because... I hurt other people in order to protect my pride and um, and I can ruin the reputation. Just, just yeah, this pride that I came into the rooms with, um, yes, deep in this uh, pride where, you know, I had an absolute excessive preoccupation with myself and my own self-importance. Um, yeah, and I struggled to put down that pride. And still, it still will come up in my character defects today. And, and you know, there's two kinds of pride. There's good pride, you know, which is, my dignity and my self-respect, and then there's the, the other, the bad side of pride, as I call it, you know, where it's that superiority, and it, it absolutely reeks of conceit and, and arrogance when I'm in that place. Um, yeah, and it's always around the fear of what others will think of me, you know, what other people will think of, of um, yeah, what they think of me and, and, and all about me, you know. Um, and I think... You know, the other side of the coin of pride is shame. You know, I, it was an illusion that it was my defense against my shame. And it's the 12 steps, you know, that keep that pride in place today. Um, and, and the 12 steps of smash the ego, because I can't do this on my own. You know, I need steps and I need, I need God to remove those defects from me. And, and today it's about just putting all the outcome in, in God's hands. You know, what will God have me, have me do and, and be? And... Yeah, and I remember even as a as a teenager, you know, working in a shop where I stole I stole food in the shop, I stole money, and I was confronted um, doing it, and and I lied, I lied through my teeth, and didn't care that other people might have got blamed. Um, I was trying to protect that pride, um, yeah, and, let, and and would have happily let other people take the the fall for that, and having him in my in my steps then to make financial amends for all of that, and and clean up the past and. It's the steps that help me do that. So, yeah, thanks a million. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, so that was our last share for today, and I want to thank everybody who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, today being Monday, August 23rd, this is the 7 a.m. meeting, our share ID is 17612. That's 17612.
We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Marge O. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Marge. Good morning, all. This is a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Massachusetts, Marge O. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you to to the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you judge the road of as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.